This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So after this guy's done eating, he gets up and he has a blind walking <laughs> I was stink-eyeing him the whole time, too. <laughs> just mortified. I was like, yo, I just fucking talking shit about this Could you imagine guy. this guy could hear me just saying all this shit? <laughs> oh, my God. How fucking hilarious, dude. I fucking... In five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. How is everybody doing? We have Ed Park back in the house. What's up, guys? Uh, previous episode, we actually did a review of one of our favorite Korean films, Chingu, which means friends, friend, and uh, y'all liked it. I'm I'm so glad too, right? Mm-hmm. And I just had this uh, conversation about you know Asian cinema, and we we mentioned on the podcast before how people talk about. There isn't really great Asian films. It's like, mm, hold Wait. on. Yeah. <laughs> be quiet. It's a bit quiet. No, it means a lot to me too. Cause um, I don't know why I, I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> oh, really? But it's where I like write movie reviews mm-hmm. after I see something. And um, honestly, like you said, it's because you have this space and you created a space or it's like, now you can just be like, well, talk about these great Korean or not just Korean Asian films out there or you might shit on it too. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of shitting on. Oh man. This wait, wait, wait. First, uh, your, how was your uh, holiday from Christmas to uh, New Year's? It was nothing. I didn't do shit. Like it, right. it, it was literally nothing. This is the first, I don't, I think this is the first Christmas I haven't spent with my parents. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ever since I was born. Damn. Yeah, like even even when I came here, I always flew back to um, Sacramento. And the interesting thing is a lot of people don't understand. I actually still have the same friends as I had in high school. Right. Like till this day. So what we did instead. So we usually have a a Thanksgiving Friendsgiving, right? Every year in Sacramento. If if I don't make that, I usually make the Friendsgiving in Christmas. Done it ever since we were like 14. And we still do it now, right? And so this is the first year we had to do it all through Zoom. So you you did something special and then you watched Wonder Woman. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then, well, let me t- let me just preface this, all right? So we're gonna talk about Wonder Woman, and the reason why Wonder Woman eighty four, yes, W eighty four, the part two, right? The reason why I watched this was because Mariel is a huge Gal Gadot fan, right? Loves Gal Gadot. Whenever Gal Gadot appears on a screen, she just screams. She loves Gal Gadot that much. So she watched the new Fast and the Furious series or oh, that chunky She Turner, loved it, dude. The three that she was in. Yeah. <laughs> so like Gal Gadot is like her female hero. Yeah. Right? Watching this film and I, she could already tell like I'm like seething because I'm so pissed at how bad this film is. Like I, I only watched the first 30 minutes, 30 minutes of it at first. Right. And so she looks at me all pissed and she goes, if you don't want to watch it, then leave. Whatever. Right. <laughs> 
she's like mad at me because I don't like this film. It's a bad film. So I go upstairs and I leave and I'm like, I can't believe she likes this movie. So after the movie's <laughs> done, I come back down and she goes, this is the worst movie. <laughs> <laughs> said, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. She starts griping about how nothing makes sense. Yeah. And she's like... not critical of films at all. <laughs> that just goes to show how bad this film was. Yeah. Well, like as it goes on, like everybody spent their Christmas probably alone like you and I did. Mm hmm. And you put on Wonder Woman 84, make, maybe get some Christmas cheer, but what the fuck? <laughs> like, just kind of like ruined the end of my night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let me just preface this too. So for a lot of people who watch Marvel cinema, right? Or what, what comic book cinema, you know, superhero cinema or whatever. For people who never grew up with it, sometimes it's hard for them to watch these films because there's a lot of stuff that's not said in the movie that's kind of expected you to know as an as the audience member. You just suspend your disbelief. You just accept, mm -hmm. okay, this is happening. Okay, this is happening. Mm -hmm. But then if you don't know anything, you're just you're like, why is this happening? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's already kind of far-fetched for people who don't understand the superhero world. This movie took that and then did 10 times worse than that. Yeah. So if we could just talk about, number one, this was a film that cost, what, $200 million? Oh. Where did that money go? Dang. I'm so confused. Well, I, apparently they consider it success because uh, Weekend was like $80 million off of theaters and then the HBO subscribers jumped mm -hmm. like crazy. So the sad part is they, so they signed on for a Wonder Woman Part 3 now. Because of the success of this one. <laughs> Quote unquote oh success of this God, one. God, dude. The beginning of the film is so funny to me because right off the jump, it was me, Mariel, and her best friend. We were watching it. And I, we started laughing. And then we couldn't figure out why we didn't like this mall scene where yeah. she's doing this, these acrobatics beating up these bad guys. And, and, you know, Becky, her best friend, looks at me and she goes, what's so bad about this? I was like, you know what it is? <laughs> It looks like this is a Marvel or a, a DC Verizon wireless commercial. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like she's the, jumping through this, beating everybody up and she stops. She goes, this right. is the lowest rates ever with right. 5G. I thought it was a fucking commercial. Yeah, it was super bright, oversaturated. And you look it up and she's like, apparently they chose the 80s because it was all about consumerism and I don't know. It, it, I don't know why they chose the 80s. I assume it's because the director was a child during the 80s. Mm. Because this is a children's film, you realize, right? Yeah. Off the bat, like, you kind of start to, you accept that it's a children's film. But, <laughs> like, there are good children's movies. Like, children's movies don't have to be bad. Exactly. Uh, it, says, it seems like for the sake of targeting children, you can get away with plot holes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or dumb, like binary behavior mm -hmm. right like the first one was actually actually really deep <laughs> like, and, and for me it was like because uh wonder woman representing um like just the purity of the gods like amongst humans right yeah and seeing still seeing the fucking best in them even through the war and all the shooting and fighting and she still believes in humanity because they must fight Ares. Because mm -hmm. it's because of Ares that men hate each other, mm -hmm. right? But what does she find out? It's a lie. And Ares argues, see, these humans are a piece of shit. You know, men are inherently terrible. They fight on their own. I only inspired them. Yeah. They chose to hurt each other, right? But Wonder Woman still proves him wrong because of her relationship with Steve Trevor. Mm -hmm. He's an above average guy. But, I mean, he's a dope 
guy. He's not dumb. He's actually really smart, and he'd be Indiana Jones in any other movie.、Mm-hmm. But compared to Wonder Woman, he ain't shit, right? And that's the point of it. And and she proves Ares wrong by choosing to love, you know, and not killing that girl with the face and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. All like all these things, and she chooses love, you know, and sees the best in humanity after the war, right? And cut and to. She <laughs> thinks, yeah, yeah. So she thinks Bruce. Oh, you, you cut to this, and it's just like everyone sucks. Everyone fucking sucks. Every man on earth is terrible. You know, was, but it's a kids movie. It's a kids movie. You know what? The part that really just made me just pissed at it. And mind you, I've only paid attention to the first thirty minutes. The other stuff I, I saw later on because at the first thirty minutes I just walked upstairs. I, I can't do this. <laughs> it was when, so. Trevor comes back to life, right? <laughs> She doesn't question it at all, right? They just, oh my! I know this is you because、yeah. I can feel it's you.、Uh, yeah, I cut to them just、hand. walking, holding hands like nothing, like nothing's wrong. I'm like, wait, yo, you're not gonna、uh, question this? Look like, what happens. They they fuck. Yeah, it's some other guy that possesses his body. Yo, if if if, if this is a wish making stone and it can make anything happen, just fucking make him come to life. Why did he possess some other man? She just had. Unconsensual sex with non-consensual sex with this dude. Yeah, she raped this dude. This guy had a job, a, a life, a life, family, everything. Bills to pay. They take over his apartment and fuck all day. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's completely okay. That part, I was my jaw dropped because I was like, hold on a second, how did he get into that body? Right,、yeah. completely just blew this over. And this is what I'm talking about, where a lot of like comic book stuff they go over these details that they expect the audience to know. This was this is extreme. You know,、right. how did they get the body? Well, fuck this guy in his life, right? He <laughs> he's a perfectly normal dude, probably a perfectly fine human being. He just loses his life, and then、yeah. Wonder Woman's just like, let's、yeah. fuck, let's <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, at the end, she doesn't even tell him. She's like, we,、oh, I saw your dick. Yeah, he smiles at him. <laughs> It's the worst thing ever. I'm like, this is terrible. This doesn't even even beyond that, right? The the. The main idea, wait, the main, basically, how the story just the, goes is the this MacGuffin, this right? Stone, the stone, right? Yeah. How the fuck does he know about it? <laughs> <laughs> how does anybody know about exactly. it? Exactly. Where he, does it come from? All these things you want to know. That's the you you the chase.、Mm-hmm. It kind of has this Indiana Jones going around the world, figuring out what this thing is. But it's um, it's just a stone. <laughs> it's just that's really old. Oh, she goes. She says it comes from a really, really bad god. Yeah, that was it.、That's、Where did it come from? A really, really bad god. As oh my god, it、like. was just the dumbest thing. They didn't put any backstory to anything. So this is a, a lot of problems that you see. This is a problem that I see with a lot of like、uh, Korean dramas. You know, right? But you know, Korean dramas. There's this. There's a lot of leeway to it, right? Because you just want to feel sappy, lovey-dovey feeling. So you just let it go. Yeah. This. With a film, if you don't give any backstory or a reason for us to like characters, hate characters, it doesn't matter. And I really, this is the the straw that broke the camel's hump, is when the main the villain he he has a wife and he has a son. Yeah. And this kid is full blown full Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought too. I was like,、oh, that's progressive. <laughs> I was like. What's the mom look、yeah. like? And even if I, we knew what the mom looked like, this kid's full Asian. Not only that, yo, does this kid eat, sleep, drink water? He's just hanging out at his dad's office twenty four seven. Yeah. I, not only that, like even 
just jumping ahead where he gets lost. And the dad comes back looking for him. He fucking comes running out the woods. Here I am. Like, where were you? You know, I, out of all that shit that you just did with, like, making wishes for everyone, like, how convenient that you, like, found your son so easily. That would have been your next biggest problem. What he was missing. <laughs> when I saw that Asian kid, he was like, my son. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's the first. I was like, was that just, like, the diversity card? Just no. so you could put this one Asian kid. I, I said that out loud. It's like, oh, is he Asian? He has an Asian son. I, and then everyone was looking at me like something was wrong. Like I thought, I don't know. Casting choices, at least the main characters, we thought like these are great actors. And that's a diversity card you, thing, you know. You yeah, because it doesn't make sense unless there's a story that his wife uh, they adopted this Asian kid or something. But it was they just wanted us to accept. That this Spanish man has a full-blooded Asian kid. It, was he it, Asian or are we wrong? <laughs> we just go back to the film. He's a blue-eyed yeah. and blonde-haired white kid. Maybe we just weren't paying attention like closely. No, that kid was, was like... full-blooded Asian. I was shocked. I thought that kid was going to start speaking Vietnamese for a second. Yeah. I was like, yo, what the fuck? I mean, like, uh, going back to like, Cheetah's character, uh, Kristen Wiig, she's like adorable, quirky in her own way, and she wishes to be like Diana right and she gets powers and whatever but uh and then she gets popular but like what does she lose out of that like you used to be so nice yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> what's most important to you so that was the other thing that was so stupid right i don't think they've ever set up that her niceness was the most important thing about yeah. her if anything that was something that she hated about herself yeah so why would that doesn't make any fucking it's sense like, why did even if she wanted to become the most ape, fiercest apex predator, she turned into a cat or a cheetah. I don't know. <laughs> like, that that was it. It wasn't like I want to be specifically a cat. Somebody out there, some god chose that she should be a cheetah. I guess you know, you know how fucking lazy this film was. And this is after the thirty minutes I gave up, and I went to go back to watch the rest because you know Ray was telling me how terrible it was. <laughs> I was like, okay, now I have to watch this. It was the scene where they wanted to incorporate the invisible jet. <laughs> she just goes, I've never done this before, but invisible. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was an invisible jet. I'm like, that's it? This is, this is what it takes? And then they totally ripped the Thor Ragnarok scene where they're flying in the spaceship and there's fireworks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight yeah. up from Thor. They just ripped it. <laughs> so, and then don't even get me started about how useless that armor was. Oh my gosh, what was the hype? What for? was that about? <laughs> it did nothing. It did nothing. So I don't understand what the point of that was. Um, toys? But why would you want to buy that toy now? It's going to break. <laughs> <laughs> buy this toy. It won't do jack shit for you. Yeah. That shit was so funny to me. I'm like, yo, this is a prank. This even, is a prank. Even the storytelling devices like um, Kristen Wiggs by herself in the park and she gets accosted by drunk dude mm. and wonder woman comes and saves her right and he goes flying and it's like comedic and mm. heroic and it's cool right but when she does it she does the same thing she gets her fucking justice like she should because she touched them again mm -hmm. you know and instead it's turned like now she's bad she's yeah. bad for doing the exact same thing wonder, no, woman, wonder woman did, did. <laughs> if you had the power of wondering like you wish you would and you wanted your own revenge that might speak to the next movie we talk about later. <laughs> I know. It, it was just 
it's like they didn't care about development at all. And on top of that, like, here's the thing, too. Like, I'm not very, like, I watch a lot of film, but I'm not very hypercritical about a film that I watch one time. Yeah. I just watch it to just enjoy it. You know, it's like, it's like with music. Like, I don't like it when people try to dice up and chop up music too much when you just heard it w- one time through. This podcast is brought to you by ShipStation. If you sell stuff online, you know how busy 2020 was. Everyone and their dog was shipping online. Well, get ready for 2021. It's going to be even bigger and better. That's why online sellers like you need ShipStation. No matter how much you sell, ShipStation makes it super easy to manage and ship all your orders from all your sales channels faster, cheaper, and and more efficiently. Listen, no matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, it doesn't matter. ShipStation brings all your orders into a very simple interface. Whenever I've actually used or actually sold merch, I actually use ShipStation. It's super easy. I just want things to make my life easier. And especially when it comes to labeling and shipping things, if if you could have a process that makes that part easy, especially because it tends to be really tedious, ShipStation is going to be the one for you. It's the one I've used. It's dope. You'll love it. So, to get 2021 off to a great start, just visit ShipStation.com. Use my offer code GeniusBrain to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in GeniusBrain. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code GeniusBrain. ShipStation. Make ship happen, baby. That's the same attitude that I have with film. I, I try to watch it the way like the director or the actors want us to feel what they yeah. have. And then the second time, I'll be like, okay, let me see what I want to pick apart about this film. This one was just, it, it was just so blatantly bad. You know what I mean? It's like, what I, was the moral of the story? I don't know. <laughs> but that's the thing. It was be careful what you wish for. But how does that apply to any of us as children now, to our kids or any generation? Be careful what you wish for? Yeah. Like, why? How? Like, we don't have shit. Like, if you wish for anything, it doesn't show up. Yeah. So this is a, how does this fantasy of wishing for something and getting it teach anybody a lesson? Because in the beginning at the mall, there's a girl who's super inspired by Wonder Woman, Mm -hmm. right? You watch the movie and, and Cheetah wants to be like Wonder Woman. And the whole idea is you should look up to Wonder Woman. But the moral of the story is also you shouldn't be like Wonder Woman <laughs> or else you'll stop being nice. <laughs> yeah. I, got, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing lined up. No. N- nothing. It, it was like I was watching. Like if you if visually, it just seemed like it looked like a quilted patch, like just patches yeah. of random stuff just stitched together. And I couldn't follow what the film was trying to tell me. Like even the lesson about the moral of what we're talking about. And the beginning, like, Greek God Olympic Games with the shitty VHS titles, that didn't work together. Total clash. Anyway, mm-hmm. but what was the lesson of that, you know, uh, those Olympic Games? Like, don't cheat? Uh, <laughs> aren't they warriors? Are there rules in war? Like, don't they kill? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, don't cheat to, like, uh, pragmatic problem solving to get towards your goal in war. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It seems commendable to me. It, it was. It wasn't even so clear cut either about the non cheating part because for me, when I saw that, I didn't understand where she cheated. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So when I, when I saw her, it wasn't her mom who was. It was the warrior lady. Yeah, her aunt. Yeah, her she general. stops her right and saying like, "Cheating is bad. You have to win the warrior's way or whatever that it is." Right, but they didn't even direct it to the point where I understood where she cheated. 
not only that, where does that lesson come full circle to the fucking plot of this movie? <laughs> you think it would tie all the way to the, you know? It's supposed to somehow, but I don't see the connection. I, I like It doesn't make any sense. It's such a stretch. Same director, too, which was shocking for me. Yeah. Right? Well, okay, so uh, the first movie, I looked this up because I was just like, why? Yeah. Why, why, why? <laughs> and the first movie was produced by Rat Pack. And that's uh, Zack Snyder's production company. So it was his camera, his lenses, his gear, probably the productions that hired the people to make it look the way it does. Yeah. Somebody else completely wrote it too. Um, then I guess after Batman v Superman or something after that, there was a change at Warner Brothers. This guy named Jeff Johns became the Kevin Feige of the DC cinematic universe. Okay. And since then, they've been aiming towards kids more often. So that's why you got something like Aquaman is super campy. Shazam is like a kid's movie, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, Justice League got a crazy campy rewrite. And it turned into crap. Terrible. Which goes to show now, like, you're going to see, like, apparently two more hours of an entire film. (laughs) Like, yeah. On HBO Max, because they, this guy just waxed everything Zack Snyder did in the past. Wow. So with this one, it was now this new kind of production direction they're going for children. But what the fuck was this? <laughs> I could even see a, like a five-year-old looking at this film and saying, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that bad. It's colorful, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I There's just, nothing to learn. It's, it's hard to say what I could even like about it. The jokes uh, when, were stale. <laughs> like, I remember just even this small joke, right? He goes, I can get you the best 19-inch TV. And then all I heard in the back was, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I heard. I was like, that's yeah. a very, very soft pitch and for a joke. And not only that, like, if you are faithfully watching the entire DC cinematic universe and, you know, like uh, being geeky like me, and it doesn't do anything to serve any expansion to where it's going to the next ones, or any, it's just this isolated movie. If you're an isolated movie, you should be as good as Logan. A hundred percent. You know? <laughs> Logan, it's top. I think it is it my favorite be... uh, superhero film of right. all time. Yeah, I'd say probably top three yeah. amongst them if I had to pick and choose somewhere there. And then when they put it in black and white, I was like, how is it even better? <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. That was a film that if whether you're a DC cop or, a, or a Marvel fan or not or a superhero fan or whatever... You could enjoy that film no matter what it is, right? And because there's a lot of stuff too that you, you know, if you don't know anything about comic books, you'll probably leave, uh, it'll make you wonder why these things are happening, specifically the relationship with Professor X and Wolverine. But at the same time, they did such a great job in like character development in that film. You kind of just accept it and move on. Yeah. You know? Like this man has telekinesis and this guy has claws and heels, but you're just getting along with the story. Yeah. When you're watching this, you're just like, okay, this guy wishes to be the stone. Yeah, that. Oh my God, I can't believe I skipped that over when he said when he said that part. What? I want to be you. Yeah. I want to be the stone. The stone. Oh my God. I'm trying to figure out too if I if I had this stone and I wish for something. What is something that's so important to me that that thing would take away? And I don't know what that is. So you're gonna lose know. two inches in height. You'll <laughs> you'll be five foot eleven instead of six one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, fuck. I don't know. Like, what do I hold so dearly to that I couldn't trade for a billion dollars? 
Yeah. And things would turn out so bad that I'd be like, okay, take it back. Yeah. The entire Earth, the whole world took back their fucking wish. All collectively, like, as if Mr. Satan was calling upon the Earth to race. I was like, like, okay, wh- we'll do it. Like, Wonder Woman somehow convinced him with that f- shitty-ass monologue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the speech like, at the end. You're right. Oh, Let me tell you something. I know a lot of hood people that had a billion dollars. They'd be like, fuck y'all. So I'm good. Here's why it's important from here to transition to our next movie. Because of the theme of the truth. In Wonder Woman 84, they're trying to say that the truth will set you free. The truth is what's most important. And old boy is totally antithetical to that. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, are we going yeah. towards that route? Any- <laughs> well, let's talk about this, right? So since we're going to talk about amazing um, cinema, specifically when it comes to Asian cinema, like I watched a lot of Korean film. I, I, I only saw a few. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of like Wong Kar Wai films and stuff like that. But obviously as a Korean American, I'm, I'm going to connect more to a lot of these Korean films. Everybody knows... <clears throat> I don't say everybody, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people know about Old Boy, right? Mm. One of my favorite actors of all time, Asian or not, Chemin Chik. Yeah. So fucking good. Yeah. Um, what a film that I actually like more than Old Boy is actually Akamata Poata, which is I Saw the Devil. Mm. Right. Except for this, that film has one little part I didn't like, but we'll get into it. We'll maybe, we'll maybe review that we'll later. Review that one too. Yeah. yeah. Old Boy is such a trippy film. Like. I mean, we'll we'll go for scene for scene, but one of the things that I I guess like now that I watched it again, <clears throat> I'm not because I watched it super young, mm. right? And I think the the shock factor of how what what the film turned out to be, like the end of the film, yeah. is the thing that I remember the most. That I didn't really appreciate all the other stuff that was right. going on. Like specifically when you guys watch Old Boy, if you love anime, <laughs> you'll love Old Boy. Yeah, like the way that it's. <clears throat> framed directed and shot it's like an anime yeah but with people and it's actually done well well because how many reiterations or how many um films have you seen where they try to do bleach or not or something you know yeah. and it's a terrible film it, it it never turns out as good as the anime or the comic book or whatever mm. but old boy the way that it's shot is shot like an anime yeah it's so good yeah it's i think i yeah i first saw it i guess college where it just come out and the whole idea behind it was just like, oh, it's fucked up, it's fucked up, it's fucked up. And watching it now, it's just, oh man, it is deep into the human psyche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the core. Um, I guess what we were going to also talk about was the American old boy, and that seems to be what it missed. It was just about how fucked up could it be, how much more can it be fucked up than the Korean one. There's just no... there. There is So there was an American old boy that was shot, just... It's so bad. Like, I, I still have yet to finish that film because it's <laughs> yeah. that bad. I was literally watching it before I came here and I turned it off because not that I was out of time. I was just, this is this not worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it's that same trope that people keep fucking forgetting. It's like, you have, a give, you have to give a person a reason to care. Yeah. You know, and that film doesn't allow you to care. So there's no payoff for all the crazy shit that's yeah. happening. And also, too, sometimes when you adapt these Asian films, specifically, like, for me anyways, I can only speak from uh, experiences, like, Korean films have a lot of, like, cultural nuance that doesn't translate well to American films. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, one of the things that you'll see in the film Old Boy that's really dope, and it's, like, stuff that you see in, even represented uh, represented in our film uh, Gook, is that it's a very serious film, but there's a lot of funny shit yeah. there. <laughs> funny (laughs) that's that's a trope that you'll see in a lot of fucked up korean films yeah no matter what like 
another film, for example, that reminds me of that is The Wailing. The Wailing oh has my these gosh. gems of funny ass moments. Like it's scary as hell. It's it's a thriller, right? But the main character is a fucking Korean Homer Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 like a treehouse of horror for Koreans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a Simpsons episode, but uh, oh my gosh, we'll, we'll get to that one yeah. too. It's genius. Um, but yeah, I wrote notes again. Um, I'll go through the plots, but if you want to catch up with all the little nuances and shit, we'll get through that. We appreciate that you guys like that last one. And this one, we actually really like doing this too. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Uh, old Boy. Uh, let's see. It came out in 2003, uh, directed by Pak Chan-wook. And one of the... One of the best directors of all time. Right. And his other movies out of his... So this is the second movie of his Vengeance trilogy. First one being Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boys, the second one, and Lady Vengeance. All great films. He also made one of the best vampire movies of all time, Thirst. I actually never saw Thirst. Bro. (laughs) I never saw it. One of the greatest vampire movies I've ever seen. Okay. And we'll get to that too. Okay. So yeah, uh, just look up his IMDb and um, Park Chan-wook and you'll see just he makes masterpieces. All right. So in 1988, a businessman named Ode Su is arrested for drunkenness, missing his daughter's fourth birthday. And so it opens up and he's, at a, he's a police station, right? And he's drunk. drunk. As fuck. And it's basically showing us how he's a piece of shit, right? <clears throat> like he's drunk. He's causing a stir he's making fights he's trying to pee in the corner he's hitting on some girl and he's like has his shirt off and he's flying all over the ground and shit it's not acceptable in korean culture right Mm -hmm. obviously but it's not uncommon it's 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 drunk in the worst way possible too and this is where you get to see it this this film is a fucked up film but this is that glimpse that i'm talking about when it comes to korean cinema about making funny shit happen in serious films and this is how it starts off it's actually fucking hilarious yeah how drunk he is which the american one totally missed it's not funny at all it's just look how shitty this yeah it's like right off the jump in that american they missed they missed the mark yeah like this is already missed like uh, just like on a funny side note, if you guys go to K Town and you're out late at night, well, not now because of pandemic, yeah. <laughs> you'll see these adishis yeah. all <laughs> everywhere, the fucking time, dude. Yeah, so they Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they always do this shit too. Where somebody try to calm them down, and they'll grab their head and go, Yeah, let go of this hand is what they're saying. But funny story to me, this podcast is brought to you by Raycon, my friends. If you are listening to earbuds with wires, you might as well just go back in a time machine and stay there, you stupid face. You need to get Raycon. Now, I know a lot of you out there are thinking that in order for you to have high quality audio in your ears without wires, you need to pay buco money. Well, you haven't heard of Raycon because they make it affordable and they also make it sound just as amazing. Raycon makes great sound accessible to everyone. Their wireless earbuds start at half the price of other premium audio brands. And guess what? If you think having white stems dangling out your ears look ridiculous because I do, that's something you don't have to worry about with Raycons, baby. Stop looking stupid. Get some Raycons, my friends. Listen, I love my Raycons. Anytime I'm biking, anytime I'm walking around, I got my Raycon earbuds in my ears. So Raycon is now offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. And here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buy 
raycon.com slash brain. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash brain. That's buyraycon.com slash brain. So uh, when I first met Bart and Joe years ago, right, this is when we didn't really know each other. We went to this one Korean barbecue spot that was uh, $9.99 for all you can eat. Mm-hmm. It was this best spot. I think originally it was $8.99. So we, yeah, were grub- yeah. we were broke as fuck. So we used to grub there all the time. Um, in classic old drunken Korean man fashion, the most terrible thing ever. And this is actually a moment that me, Bart, and Joe share where we actually solidify our friendship even more <laughs> because we realize how fucked up we are as human beings because <clears throat> so it was me bart joe and geo and then we're, we're having our korean barbecue uh dinner we're eating and we hear somebody screaming in the back it's his older korean man right he's going off screaming at the top of his lungs <laughs> you know don't look at me whatever what going off right and he looks at this this couple sitting at a uh, at a small table having korean barbecue he walks over to them just drunk fat as fuck you know, tight collar shirt, belly sticking out. He goes, like, you guys oh are Japanese God. people, right? <laughs> oh, I like saying, like, you fucking Japanese bitches. And this dude looks at him, she goes, I'm Korean. Telling him in Korean, speaking Korean to him. Like, I'm Korean. I'm Korean. And he's still screaming at him. That he's Japanese oh my going God. off, just drunk as fuck, looking like Odesu in Old Boy. We've all seen this. Every Korean <laughs> has seen this man, Odesu. And he is presented as an everyday man, right? What does his name me- mean? Like getting by one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's established that he's a piece of shit, you know? Um, and his friend Juhan, the PC Bang owner, Picks him up. Well, obviously, it's the 80s. There's no PC bang at the time. Picks him up at the police station. And Desu is kidnapped and wakes up in a sealed hotel room where food is delivered through a trap door. And so the next thing we see is the trap door opens and they're feeding him. And he starts begging them, right? Please, please. Why, why, wait, why am I here? Why am I here? Right? And at the same time, he gets fucking crazy angry and starts cursing them out. Right? This is a uh, very Han like to be two emotions at the same time, yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty hilarious. But um, it's it's one of the many themes that obviously off the bat, because as an audience you're watching this, yeah. Well, why is he in there? He's just in there all of a sudden. He's asking the same thing, and then he asks, "If I knew how long I was going to be in there, would it have been any better?" Yeah. <laughs> too. And one of the themes of this uh, film being the truth, right? And a lot of unanswered rhetorical questions um, because it's, it has so much to do with his isolation here and him in his own mind and his inner dialogue too, which you, when you say it, like an anime or a manga, yeah, it's so much inner dialogue, mm-hmm. which the American film completely cuts out for some reason. Like you don't get into his head. Mm-hmm. And... As you read this uh, monologue, it's really, really getting into his character and his just, I guess, his where the seeds of vengeance Which, which you really, really need, which is what the American film missed. Yeah. Because it kind of goes into, you're trying to figure out now, too, because of his, because he lived in solitude. And you don't really get a glimpse of really who he is besides he's a piece of shit. But now you're trying to figure out, is this guy fucking crazy? Yeah. Like, is he a crazy person? And that's what these inner monologues did. That allowed 
to set up his character development. Yeah. Like you don't know if he's a sane person or not. You don't know if he's, was he really trapped in a room? It just kind of leaves you, there's this jarring feeling that you have. He's just, yeah, he's, he's on the brink of his, like edge of his sanity. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, in that room too, he goes like, like Ed was talking about, it goes to this point where he's begging, gets super angry. That's, what if I knew this time that I had here would it have made it any better? Then he goes into a a, a stage of vengeance. He has this little dummy carved yeah. out on the wall, and he starts practicing punches to a brick wall because he's like, "When I get out of here, I'm gonna fucking kill the person who put who left me in this room." And what does he also do though? He starts writing in his journal and oh, talks right. about every fucked up thing he ever did. He actually starts thinking about it. Not only that, he's going through names in his head, which is wild. He just starts listing names, 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 names. Who could have done this to me? Who could have done this to me? Which is important if you're a Korean dude and you're resentful with that, huh? <laughs> you remember names and faces and like, what the fuck did I do? Yeah. You know? Um, so he's watching TV. Desu learns that his wife has been murdered and he is the prime suspect. He passes the time shadow boxing, planning revenge and attempting to dig a tunnel to escape. And uh, this is pretty important to all of us um, uh, where his character through the movie becomes an encyclopedia. He knows these little weird knowledge, like trivia things because he learns so much watching TV all the time. And people like you and I, we were raised by TV. Yeah. (laughs) And um, and so the TV also shows uh, in a cinematic way how time passes through world events. And also, um, well, if you're Korean and you're watching it um, through really big national events, like even a mall collapsing or presidential elections, then they show 9-11 and whatnot. And then it gets to. Yeah, which I really appreciate it, too, because just didn't just time jump out of nowhere. And then we have to figure out as an audience where he's at. Mm-hmm. They already kind of allowed us to put our mind at peace by showing those events. Right. So it doesn't become a huge part of the story. His but knuckles now... are getting callous. Mm-hmm. He's putting a tattoo for it as time goes by and you see his determination. He's as he gets actually getting into shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, other parts it's showing like um, he, he has that picture in there. And what you were just saying about this movie being fucked up, but funny that picture, that drawing of that really ugly face, it says laugh and the world laughs with you weep and you weep alone. And he's laughing, right? But he's laughing alone. So it goes, and he had cut his wrist. Mm-hmm. He tries to kill himself, right? But they take care of him, right? And they, they won't even allow him there. to die. They won't let him die. Yeah. And even when he's like trying to jack off <laughs> to the, 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 the pop star and he can't go off, he tries to kill himself again. <laughs> Dog. Hey, I, I told oh, you. So yeah, funny. I, I told you about how I was just in a fucking trailer home alone for four years, bro. You get to a point where you're bored of porn. <laughs> you're just like, why am I doing this? And then you just kind of you try the no nut thing just to challenge yourself. Hey, let me tell you something. When I was in that quarantine for ten days, <laughs> I jacked off for two days straight, and that's all I had in me. I had no reason to jack off anymore. Yeah. I was like, what am I watching? This stuff is Which, filthy. Yeah. <laughs> 
I started, I started judging myself. Yeah. I was like, you watch this sick shit? What's wrong with you? And I just sat there. I'm like, there was only a couple things I could do because I couldn't eat food because I couldn't yeah. taste anything. And all I had was porn and jacking off. Yeah. And, I, and I already don't watch porn that much anyways. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? It's been a while. Let me dust this off real quick. <laughs> Let's see what's yeah. on uh, X videos. Let's see what's on Pornhub real quick. I started looking oh, at the stuff, shit. and I was like, "Yo, this is nice." Two days later, I'm like, I I I'm, "I'm disgusting. I can't yeah. do this anymore. <laughs> I hate myself." Oh man, but you weren't totally alone. And you didn't kill yourself. Yeah, and and so the next part. Let's see. He gets tired of jacking off. Fifteen years have passed um, since he was in prison. It is now 2003. Um, with the story, because it started in 1988, it's now a new century. Uh, just before digging himself to freedom, Desu is sedated and hypnotized. Um, he wakes up on a rooftop and sees a man on the ledge ready to jump to his death. The man asks him, even though I am no better than a beast, don't I have the right to live? So that was actually the very beginning of the movie, right? Oh, that's right. He's holding on to his tie mm -hmm. and he's like, who are you? What are, you, what are you doing or whatever? And now we're seeing that up to this point, a man was on the roof with him trying to commit suicide and Desu just happened to wake up and stop him from killing himself. Mm -hmm. And so what actually, what we're caught up to now was that Desu was telling this man his story to this point about him being locked up and everything. And then the man <laughs> starts to tell his story and Desu gets up and walks away. <laughs> and as he goes down the elevator, steals that lady's sunglasses, fuck, the man kills himself, jumps off the ledge and kills himself with the dog in his hand. And he laughs. He fucking laughs. Uh, if that says anything about where he is at that time in his character. At a mental state. It's yeah. like... Like, uh, what's, you know what's hilarious? Like, I just got called out for that that um i can be overwhelming and i talk a lot and then i have a problem listening <laughs> and then you're like ed let's let's review old point i was watching that scene like oh man people are really offended by that <laughs> uh, they're offended by wait that scene or well the fact that like you know if you this is desu's character he's he's still selfish well, he's been alone, and he tells his whole story and doesn't even listen to this guy. So he just gets going. That's crazy. That's that. That just goes to show like how fucked up I am. Because when I saw that scene, I cried laughing. Laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're supposed to. Yeah, too, I think that's supposed know? to be a funny yeah. moment. It's like, yo, look at this fucking asshole. You know, this guy. He pours his heart out, tells him about his 15 years in solitary confinement, and this guy's about to jump off the ledge. He just goes, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> It's it just, just like goes. a weird, funny moment. Oh my gosh. So, Desu leaves the man and tests his fighting skills on a group of thugs. So he just goes into an alleyway and just starts fight, fighting some thugs. Learns some new cuss words. Has his first cigarette. Buzzes so hard he passes out. Yeah. <laughs> um, afterward, a mysterious beggar gives him money and a cell phone. Desu enters a sushi restaurant where he meets Mido, a young chef. So, what's the order? <laughs> what's on the menu? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The most disgusting thing ever. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, that's a fad now, apparently. 
Oh, no way, man. I can't take this. Shit. So Ed has a odd fear of seafood. And I can only imagine you watching this scene of a live octopus, how it no. made you feel. I can't even watch Finding Dory. <laughs> oh my God. This one has a very odd fear of seafood. He comes from Seattle. <laughs> it's called thalassophobia. Oh, I learned, how did that I actually happen? learned it. Man, I don't know. It could be, it might even be this movie. I don't know. It could be like fishing with my dad and just hating it. <laughs> and um, yeah, experiencing different kind of octopuses out there in the sea with him. Dude, one of the yeah. funniest things that ever happened we, when we used to live together, we were watching TV and there was this, uh, we were watching, I forgot what it was, but it was, it was open brain surgery. <laughs> Disgusting. Just blood everywhere. You see this like pulsating brain. And I'm disgusted by this because it's weird to see a, a human body open, right? He's watching it like it's nothing. This fool's like eating snacks and shit, watching this shit. All of a sudden, we flip the channel like Discovery Channel. as an octopus. He goes, ah! <laughs> Starts screaming. I'm like, bro. What you? And that's when I found out he had a fear of uh, uh, seafood. And I, I can't, dude. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> So that means you definitely oh. can't watch uh, my octopus friend on Netflix. No, oh my God. Dan keeps like, dude, octopus are intelligent. I'm like, great. <laughs> Zingro, bro, Zingro. <laughs> so sick. It's like, thanks for adding to my fucking yeah. fear. <laughs> Don't like leave it on the watch list. Ugh. Ugh. Sorry. But anyway, so he eats a live octopus because he wants to eat something alive. Uh, Say something about his character or... I don't know, needing to feel alive or something. Something. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in there, though. Uh, then his phone goes off, and it's a taunting phone call from his captor. And after the phone call, or during the phone call, I guess, uh, Mito touches his hand to ask about, I don't know, what the fuck. It was something about the temperature of his hands or some yeah. shit. And he passes out. And because he passes out, Mito takes him to her apartment. And in a frenzy, Desu tries to force himself on Mito in the bathroom of her apartment. However, she is armed with a knife and successfully fends him off. Desu attempts to flee the apartment, but a sympathetic and intrigued Mito confronts him. Mito explains to Desu, uh, Desu that she is romantically interested in him but that they hardly know each other and she is not ready to, to be intimate. They reconcile and begin to form a bond. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So he tries to rape her and she says it's okay. She likes him and she still wants to help him out. Which kind of goes to show how fucked up she is. You're right. She starts sympathizing with him about being alone, mm -hmm. right? And losing her mind too and being on the edge. Uh, which is, uh, well, what we can do pretty much if, we, if it's, you're confused about this right now, they're hypnotized. They were hypnotized. Daisy was hypnotized coming out of jail uh, or the prison. And apparently she was hypnotized as well. Mm -hmm. They were hypnotized to fall in love with each other. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't, this doesn't make any sense to you, let's compare it to the American scene, right? Uh, in the American one, the girl is reading his notes and he freaks out and chokes her and says he, he's, he's about to kill her. Now that's really different to Americans in a way it seems like because maybe we can accept the fact that <laughs> uh, violence, domestic violence is more acceptable in American film. Mm. But maybe it's too tough for people to swallow the fact that this guy tried to rape someone and this girl still stays with him. Yeah. 
and you're missing out on the point of this movie about revenge. Uh, there's no rules. Mm. Revenge, when you go into revenge and all these things, um, it strips people's humanity down to its core, where it tears apart their heart, and they have nothing. They have nothing, right? Yeah. Why would these two nothings then stay together? Yeah, these right? rules don't apply. Yeah. So, like, that's what Chris Rock says. Uh, two crackheads can stay together for life. <laughs> you can't go to church and yeah. one be a crackhead, right? Yeah. So, uh, interesting way. I mean, if that's how I'm picking it up. Most people find it really fucked up, but the story goes on. Um, after he recovers, Daesu makes an attempt to find his daughter. Discovering that she was adopted, he gives up trying to contact her. And at this point, I think, when he finds out where she is, um, he's crying, but he turns away from me because he doesn't want me to mm. see him crying, right? But he turns around and starts laughing. Yeah. Again. This duality things keeps happening. That's a theme. Um, a split personality under stress. Uh, this is a little thing I learned through my therapy sessions. I don't want to say what it is because we're not professionals here, but yeah, this yeah. is actual legit psychological disorder. Um, incredible filmmaking to show that happening. People might miss it, but he's going through psychological stress. Um, let's see. When I when I saw the film again, and I was watching him, kind of going through those like weird psychotic moments of when he becomes vulnerable and when he becomes sad, or something happens to him where he's an emotional wreck where he, where he starts laughing. Mm -hmm. It always it just reminded me of that that one saying. It's like when the whole world, you know, that's that's what it seemed like yeah, he was referencing to me that. When you laugh, the world will laugh with you. Mm -hmm. When you, you cry, you'll cry alone. <laughs> exactly. So when he feels uncomfortable or vulnerable, he goes to just, just laughing. Right. Like whenever the situation is so fucked up, he goes to laughing. Right. That will get, that will come <laughs> through later. Um, let's see. He finds the Chinese restaurant uh, that he made, the, that he ate every day in prison um, by following a delivery man. Now, I gotta ask you, if you ate one thing for 15 years, you're pretty sure you could find it out of like 200 spots in LA. Yeah. Too. Yeah. 100%. Have you ever like experienced actually something like that where you can follow your tongue to like I mean, its origins or more like breaking down ingredients? I mean, maybe not so much like break down ingredients, but there are certain things that I've, I've eaten for so long in my life that... um Let's say my mom had takeout or whatever. She didn't tell me where it was, but the moment I eat it, I'm like, I know what restaurant this is Ooh, from. Okay. You know, like there's this uh, place in Sacramento called Pukyong. Pukyong is the mm -hmm. Korean Chinese, you know, Jajangmyeon Champong place, right? Yeah. If I have something from Pukyong, like specifically their tangsuyuk, their their fried sweet and sour pork, the Chinese Korean version of it, I know specifically it's from Pukyong. That's how much I ate that shit when yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> you know, so there's this restaurant in Tacoma called Tasty Thai Two, right? And I ate there every Sunday after church, right? Every Sunday, every fucking Sunday. And then um, they changed. They had new owners. You could tell new servers, all that. And the food was different too. Yeah. And after that, I lived in Seattle uh, for work professionally. And I have literally eaten at every Thai restaurant that had tried every Pad Thai all over Seattle. And I was just looking for my new favorite restaurant. And I found it when Dan moved to this place in Northgate. It's called Thai Fusion. and we, me and Dan ate there twice a day, every day, because we love their pad thai. Really? Yeah. And we got fucking fat. We ate there every day for months. And then one day as I came in, um, one of the servers was like, 
are you from Tacoma? I said, wait, what? You're, are you uh, Edward Park from Tacoma? Oh my God. It's like the chef remembers you from Tasty Thai too. You used to eat there all the time. I found the same chef, dude. <laughs> and you're like, dude, this place is so fucking good. Yeah, I just like the bad Thai and I just happened to have found the chef again. Dude, dude how fucking fat were you? Yeah, that's what a, I was like. Where the chef knows your first yeah. and last name, you fat fuck. And where I'm from. <laughs> and where you're from. That's hilarious, that dude. Crazy? He's no. like, I know you, Edward Park. Yeah, from <laughs> Tacoma. <laughs> I would have been very much flattered and embarrassed at the same yeah, time. Yeah, was like, a little like, okay, well, I felt a little special, but, but yeah. It's like, I'm going to throw in some extra meat for you. It's like, oh yeah, that hooked like, it up after that of for course. sure. It's like, you actually sent my kids to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Um, man, moving on. Let's go back to more fucked up stories. Yeah. <laughs> so he finds a private prison where people pay to have others incarcerated. Daisu tortures the warden, Mr. Park, who reveals that Daisu was in prison for talking, quote-unquote, talking too much. He is then attacked by guards and is stabbed, but manages to defeat them. This is literally the Wikipedia I just copy-pasted, yeah. by the way. But basically, uh, he gets in there and he... <laughs> First off, there's a guy sitting on a chair that he sneaks up behind. Then <laughs> what happens? Like, Ugh. holds up the hammer, and that's actually that infamous photo. You know, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. some other time but he's holding up the hammer but then he kind of does a Quentin Tarantino thing and he draws that line da, 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 <laughs> pop yeah and uh yeah it's it's weird how there's just this director makes this incredibly visceral violent shit so entertaining yeah you watch it and you're like well, I enjoy this <laughs> it's so fucked up it's weird because it did a very interesting job of first it painted this picture of him being this trash ass human being mm -hmm. but then he gets put into solitary confinement for 15 years and now you sympathize with him it's mm -hmm. almost like you want him to get his vengeance yeah. you want it to happen mm -hmm. and this peak this this for me in the film it's where you it really solidifies how you you start to feel about him now right because at first i'm like oh this guy's a trash bag yeah. you know he probably did something fucked up and that's why he's in the solitary confinement but then you start empathizing with him. It's like, well, could I have survived in a place for 15 fucking years and not knowing why mm -hmm. I'm here? And then you sympathize, you empathize with him, and then you want him to get his vengeance. But this moment too, what it also showed me was, oh, he lost all of his humanity. Yeah. His, his humanity is gone now. Yeah. Like, it's not there because you're going to see in that scene what he does to this guy is how he tortures him. Yeah. And this is like, he's not a human anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? All that matters to him is... Um... Yeah, getting his revenge, right? Or like really trying to find out who did this to him. And as, yeah, uh, then it gets into the infamous hallway fight. Or I mean, well, he pulls out Mr. Park's teeth. <laughs> and his tongue is like all over the hammer. I mean, like very visceral filmmaking. Um, and they, ha they have that hallway, infamous hallway fight scene. So he rips out his teeth. With the end of the hammer that you rip nails out of the wall yeah. with, he places it in between his tooth and pries off his fucking tooth from the root that oh way. God. I watching that scene over again still makes my toes curl. How, like how did it, they made it look that shit look really real? Yeah, I, don't know how, <laughs> I think in Korea at the time it was just a real tooth. That was yeah. <laughs> I, the other thing I picked up from this um, 
a lot of these type of Korean movies, these thriller types, um, is, well, first you got to see the hallway, this hallway scene, and then the one in the American old boy. They have the same weapons, like two by fours, pipes, bats, and knives. But they're in America. Why don't, if anyone had just a gun, like, someone should just fucking shoot somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, most gangsters in prisons, they have fucking guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, the, that's the, why this movie couldn't be translated, because Korea is limited to the fact that guns are illegal. Yeah. You know, which helps storytelling, honestly, to get around such an easy bang, you know? That's the hard part about, like, films with guns. There's a reason why it's unrealistic when you see these gunfights, because... Yeah. The, the end result of somebody firing a gun is usually that person dies in the first couple of seconds. Mm -hmm. That's why when you see these gun films, it's always pow, 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 pow. Yeah. Things ricocheting off of things. Nobody gets hit. Somebody pulls a gun. He somehow runs away five meters and dodges 36 bullets. Yeah, you count the number of gunshots shot in a movie and the number of times somebody gets hit. It's incredibly improbable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they'll spray like an automatic yeah. rifle. Yeah. And then nobody dies. So when people have a beef with a two by four breaking over someone's back, like, ah, it's like, come on, man, you, you eat up films where someone gets shot in the stomach and finishes all the <laughs> way. Hey, I've seen somebody get a bottle smashed over their head and they were fine. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm not saying that it's, it's super believable that that would happen, yeah. but I'm saying like, it's more believable than shooting yeah. like fucking Scarface where I stay alone. He gets shot a hundred times and he's still standing up. You know, <laughs> I'm still going to shoot you. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> Cocaine's working for me. You know. So yeah, it was um, very visceral with the, he gets a knife stuck in his back and he's still fighting. It's really long take. Um, this is the most iconic fight scene in probably all of like Korean, Korean cinema, cinema or cinema in general. Yeah. It's just one long sideways dolly shot and in complete action. I would argue that there's one movie that kind of got up there on par is uh, Ajashi, or Man from Nowhere, the final knife fight scene. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, Ajashi is yeah. such a good movie. Yeah. One, with uh, one bean. One bean, yeah. So good. Oh, and, and we have so much to talk about. Yeah. But this scene is so cool because you're going to see, number one, the choreography was really dope. Yeah. Or I'm not sure if there was choreography or they just let them do whatever the fuck you wanted. But it's just this sideways dolly shot that a lot of people actually, I've seen try to imitate this. Mm -hmm. And it's actually not easy. It's not it's easy at all. It's very, very hard. Yeah. Right? Just a sideways, complete choreographed or non-choreographed fighting scene of just back and forth mayhem, mm -hmm. you know? And something about uh, Christopher Nolan and Zack Snyder to do it with batman mm. um with a longer like six versus one kind of fight kind of wide shot i mean they you can see where it's coming from like uh today's american action movies and superhero movies taking from hong kong <laughs> like mm. action films too and and, and like uh asian like cinematic technique and the cool thing about this too is like you get to see the ability of chebin chic as an mm. actor right so yeah. the reason why you have certain films, like in, in action films anyways, and oh, this is my opinion once again, and um, they do a lot of these camera whipping, camera whips, fast cuts, is because it's based on the ability of the person who's fighting, Yeah, right? You have to, when they throw a punch, whip the camera, yeah. turn, spin the camera around with a shaky camera, shake it up a bit, cut on the hit or mm -hmm, something like that. To hide 
that person's uh, ability to fight on camera. <laughs> inability to fight. In, yeah, <laughs> inability to fight on camera. Yeah. So when you have this, you, it's actually pretty amazing to see how great all these actors are, specifically mm. Chemichi, who's not a martial artist at yeah, all. At best, I, he's probably pushing 45 something 50 by the time he filmed yeah. this first time. Uh, he's right? like in his 40s early. Yeah. yeah. Man, and he lost a shit ton of weight. Like, he looks like a completely different person from the how the movie starts. Yeah, he was his old fat fuck. <laughs> yeah, and they got committed and he got really skinny, like, to start, like, this mm -hmm. whole journey for him. All right, so he finds out Daesu's captor is revealed to be a wealthy man named Lee Woo Jin. Woo Jin gives him an ultimatum. If Daesu can uncover the motive for his imprisonment within five days, Woojin will kill himself. Otherwise, Woojin will kill Mido. So what happens is uh, Desu's coming out of that prison, you know, uh, he has tapes with him and he's all bloodied up though. And he collapses and a mystery man puts him in a cab, right? But he hears, I think he says something back, I forget the line, <laughs> but he says something that he recognizes and he knows that that's his captor. This guy puts himself in the game now he reveals himself what we thought that this movie was a journey to uh for his revenge to find out who th this guy is all of a sudden this guy's helping him find his revenge he wants him to reach him right yeah. and then the game changes where it's no longer about his revenge but finding the truth right so uh Daisu's captor, oh, we got through that. Um, we also see when he's confronted, like, Daisu puts that hammer to his head, right? Mm -hmm. And Wujin has the device. The little ticker time bomb for his heart. He put a pacemaker in his heart, right? To stop, yeah, blow up his heart or whatever. Um, and it's going to show that this guy doesn't care if he lives or dies. Yeah. He's playing a game. <laughs> he, he's fucking with him so hard. Yeah. And it also shows that <clears throat> when originally this film, like we said before, was about vengeance, it actually turns out it's about the truth. Mm -hmm. My vengeance doesn't matter as much un unless I find out the truth. Because how insane is it that he was locked away for 15 fucking years without knowing why? Yeah. And now, like we said before, his motive has changed. It's like, I need to find out why. Right. Before, and if this guy dies, I can't find out. And this is the midpoint of the film. Mm-hmm. He has Wujin in his hands. He has a fucking hammer he to his kill, head. He could get he his vengeance. He could kill him. But then for what? What's the point? Very important part of the movie where now, like, yeah, that when we're, we're talking about vengeance and the man's journey and, and all that, like what the movie changes philosophically closer towards is what the truth means and what it means to all of us. Because imagine how unsatisfying his revenge would be for him to just do this to the person who captured him, but he doesn't even know why. <laughs> he has to live with that for the yeah. rest of his life. He lost 15 years of his life. His wife was murdered, doesn't know where his kid is at, and he doesn't even know why. Mm. How unsatisfying is that murder that he just mm. committed? So, uh, Desu goes with the game. He plays the game with, and to find out uh, where this is all going. And... What happens is because uh, Mido was chatting with uh, Wu Jin, but she didn't know it was him. And so Tesu couldn't trust her, so he tied her up. And in his absence of mind, left her there tied up. And she gets now uh, handled by Mr. Park's gang, the, the prisoners. 
right? And they want revenge for the shit he pulled at the prison. But what happens again? A suitcase full of money. Millions or billions of won. <laughs> right? And he says, all right. And they leave. This is going to be a theme as it keeps going. Like when there's the, these interventions. Um, Tezu and Mido get close and have sex. Very uh, intimate scene, let's say. <laughs> we'll get to that mm-hmm. later. Meanwhile, Chuhan, which is uh, Tezu's friend, the PC Bang owner, tries to contact Desu with important information, but is murdered by Wujin. He's talking about Wujin's sister on the phone with Tezu, and this guy Wujin <laughs> is hiding around the corner listening in. Have you ever talked shit and somebody was listening in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so fucking funny? And actually, Bart and Joe, I, I remember because I, I talked about this, this. It was your moment. And they actually took this moment. They put it into a sketch. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, that's actually Ed's story. But they used it into a sketch. And I was like, oh, they should have asked you. But um, <laughs> this fool <laughs> told me the funniest fucking story ever. It's you're eating at a restaurant. Uh-huh. There's this guy that just uh, he has sunglasses on. <laughs> on the table, right? Uh, and he has like this waitress just doing stuff for him, putting sauce in his shit or whatever. And this fool's looking at this guy like, look at this fucking asshole. Like this guy's bossing this lady around <laughs> telling her to fucking put sauces in his food. So after this guy's done eating, he gets up and he has a blind walking game. <laughs> <laughs> I was stink eyeing him the whole time, too. <laughs> Could you imagine this guy could hear me just saying all this shit? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. How fucking hilarious, dude. I fucking died laughing. I'm like, I can't believe this motherfucker was talking shit about a blind dude. Uh, Well, imagine, though, if the blind man got up and his cane was a fucking knife and he stabbed me. (laughs) Wujin listening in, takes the CD and breaks it in half and stabs uh, Chuhan to death yeah. for talking shit. And he warns Tessie over the phone. Yeah. Like, don't talk shit. Something about talking shit is a trigger mm-hmm. for Ujin, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think Chairman, uh, not Chairman, uh, the director, Pak Chanuk, has a lot to say about what talking shit means. Especially when you watch this movie and correlating with Korean culture and the Han, we talk shit so well. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of a language. It's oh, so good. I built my whole career off of it. Oh yeah, yeah. But what this movie, the Vengeance trilogy, I saw the Devil, whatever, is putting into action the words we say, the terrible things we say. Because when someone says, I, "I think my mom has said she would rip my lips off and <laughs> shut up," right? And you see these movies and these acts, like I will rip your lips, like in um, I saw the Devil. Mm-hmm fat dude is like laughing at him and he's like if you go ahead keep laughing i'll rip your mouth open and he does it <laughs> oh that part is so like korean so if you guys don't understand like the way and once again this is from a, a korean american perspective and it's probably how it is in korea i'm only assuming right just because i know i got like this one angry message from this hyper korean dude yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, what do you know about korea <laughs> huh you never live there oh yeah. you- <laughs> and you said did you have a stroke <laughs> I read that one. 
I was reading this like, what's your point, bro? Yeah, I was like, what you don't you know anything about Korea. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about my Korean American yeah. perspective. Suck my dick, dude. But like Korean people, if, if there's any Asian language that's so good at cursing, it's the Korean language because it's very descriptive. There's something that my mom said to me once. <laughs> And I'm just remembering it now. <laughs> she said to me because like she, I, I was wrong, right? I was being punished. And I remember I looked at her with like this dirty look. And what she said, if I translate it is, she goes, look at me like that again. I'll rip out your eyes, chew that shit and swallow it. Like it's like, who says like, that to their even kid? Even the way you just said it was so rhythmic and syllabic. It's, <laughs> it's poetry. It's like that cursing. poetry. Yeah. yeah. You fucking dingleberry dog shit. That's <laughs> what my mom yeah. would say to me. So these movies are an expression of people acting out the visceral language like of the Korean language. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. So moving on. Let's see. Um, He... Does his homework and he ends up at a school and he finds out. Let's see. Taesu eventually recalls that he and Woojin had gone to the same high school and he had witnessed Woojin committing incest with his own sister. He told Juhan what he had seen, which led to his classmates learning about it. Rumors spread and Woojin's sister killed herself. Yeah. Leading he, uh, a grief-stricken Woojin to seek revenge. Yeah, he was, he was eating her sister out or some shit like that. Or was yeah, he, yeah. It was it was some fucking visceral shit. I was like, yeah. I remember watching that scene as a young person. I was like, ooh, what the <laughs> fuck is yeah. going on? Like it, it and, keeps going there. Yeah, and it, I, this movie keeps going there. And it in my keeps mind, I'm crossing like, the line. I would have told everybody to. <laughs> <laughs> I would have told <laughs> yeah. as a young person. I probably yeah. wouldn't have been able to keep my mouth shut. It's like, yo, I saw this dude fucking eating out his sister. Yeah. <laughs> She's fucking nuts. But to the character of Tesu, though, is that he's such a shit talker. He's forgotten about it completely. He just it does it all the time. doesn't mean anything to him. He's just forgotten about it. Right. And in present day, Wujin cuts off Mr. Park's hand, causing Mr. Park and his gang to join forces with Tesu. Mr. Park is the owner of the prison. Right. Um, Desu leaves Mito with Mr. Park and leaves face Ujin. So uh, this is where um, he and Mito have a conversation. And she's against him going to confront Ujin. But he knows now that, that it's not about revenge. It's about he needs to know why. Why he was locked up. And now he thinks he knows. Yeah. I know. Like He's going to confront him because... I talk shit about you, you not your sister. Yeah. And he's going to go and tell him that. And he's probably, who knows what he's going to do from there. Yeah. He's like, well, now kill yourself. I found out. Yeah, exactly. So at Ujin's penthouse, Ujin reveals that Mido is actually Desu's daughter. Ujin had orchestrated everything by using hypnosis to guide Desu to the restaurant. We mentioned that earlier. Raising them to meet and fall in love when they touched hands. And so that Desu will experience the same pain of incest he had did. So this harkens back to the mirrors theme. Throughout this film, there's a lot of mirrors and uh, mirroring shots uh, saying, you know, look, you think I'm a monster. Whatever. Just look, look at, at you. yourself. Yeah. yeah. You went in there because of you, you know, and 
you think like you could just forget about it. <laughs> I want you to feel the same pain. Yeah. Right. He reveals that Mr. Park is working for him and threatens to tell the truth to Mido. Daisu apologizes for his involvement in the death of Wujin's sister and humiliates himself by imitating a dog and begging. When Wujin is unimpressed, Daisu cuts out his own tongue as a sign of penance. Wujin finally accepts Daisu's apology and tells Mr. Park to hide the truth from Mido. So you start seeing, as the story goes on, um, Wujin is extremely wealthy, right? Extremely, extremely wealthy. And this wasn't like an off-the-bat thing. It starts getting developed in the middle of the movie. And I don't know if you've noticed, in every Korean movie, the bad guy is a really rich person. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? It has to do with power. It's, yeah. Mm. Power and, and um, because they're, they, Korea doesn't have a race problem, they're a homogenous company. They have a class. They have a problem, class issue. Class issue. Um, which goes to talk about Parasite. Parasite is an um, entire movie about class. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is also why I want to say like, you can't remake Parasite the way re- they remade Old Boy. Oh, 100%. Anybody tries to remake Parasite, I'm going to shoot their fucking leg off. It's, and I believe it's because um, in America, if you want to talk about classism, you have to talk about race. Yeah. It's intertwined. And the problem with Old Boy is that Daesu is supposed to be an everyday man, a guy who gets by one day at a time, you know? And the other guy... You know, juxtaposed is super rich. He wins this game with money. Yeah. He fucking puts a bomb in his heart. <laughs> some money to do that. He gives the Mr. Park millions in cash to allow Tesu to live. He makes a deal with Mr. Park to cut off his hand for a brand new prison, which it's, it's, it's a whole lot of, you can call it criticism or just a look like capitalism wins. Money wins all. Yeah. That the only reason Wujin really won is because he just has the money and power to do so. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> that scene that you guys will, if you guys have seen this film or if you are going to watch it, watching Odesu bark like a dog was uh, hard for me to watch. Yeah. It was, like he already lost his humanity in one way, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of him just empathizing with another human being in terms of like killing somebody and death. Yeah, And now it's gone to the point where he's groveling like a fucking animal and he doesn't care. Because the audience at this point is expecting another big fight scene, aren't they? Yeah. Like he's going to fuck up Ujin or something, right? Uh-uh. <laughs> like this <laughs> Turns guy- Turns it on his head. Like- and it, Starts it, it, begging, yeah. There's also this huge reflection of like how the the pain that he felt in, in terms of like Ujin's eyes, right? Ujin, right? It's like you were- you were stuck in this prison for 15 years. He's been stuck in his prison since the moment he ruined his life when his sister killed himself. Yeah. It's like he wanted him to feel everything that he felt, right? And he just wouldn't believe it until he saw it for himself. Yeah. And when he started barking like a dog and he cut off his tongue for talking all that shit. Yeah. And then he finally feels like, you now feel the pain that I feel. It, 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 he had to break him down to his like molecular, molecular level. Yeah. And then strip away his humanity to the point to be like, see? That's how I feel. Yeah. And I've, I've been there before where I would, I talked about those uh, three pastors and just how much, how angry it makes me. Right. Yeah. 
And when I, when I brought this up to one of their wives, <laughs> I said, what if I did this to your kid? What your, your husband did to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So why don't I just go, you know, you want to, like, she wanted to talk with me. <clears throat> this was like last year. Mm-hmm. And I actually said that. I was like, what would you do if I did this to your son? You know? Yeah. And it's like, the, the weird thing is my mom used to babysit this Hamanu mm. when she was a kid. And so I was like, you know my dad too. And my yeah. family, my mom babysat you. You're grown up. You have kids. What if I did this to your kids? And I, I was explaining that in a way. And what I'm saying is that language of what if I did this? What if did your body or what if, or, you know, all this visceral language actually fucking doing it. Yeah. And the pain it really causes. And so as it goes, Wu Jin goes against his, I mean, he played this game, you know, saying that he even said vengeance is good for you, right? Because I believe vengeance is what drove Wu Jin to become so successful and have so much money too. Yeah. And to be able <clears throat> to enact this revenge, like bit by bit by bit, right? But he doesn't, like heed his own advice when he told Desu, like, what if you don't, you know, like if you kill me now, you know, you'll never know or whatever. Well, Wujin got his revenge. <laughs> it's over now. So now what? Nothing. Boom. He kills himself, shoots himself in the head because it's over. Right? Like, and, you know, we've talked about this on a previous podcast where it's so funny how it's full circle where I was talking about my motivation to do better was to always prove people wrong. Yes. And one of the, the, that was one of my, it's, it's a huge factor to my, whatever small success that I have in my career now. But when you reach this point of success through hate, vengeance and revenge, and sometimes it's like these imaginary characters, right? Like I, I had this, I used to have this attitude of like, oh, I bet you don't think I could do this shit. Watch what I'll do. Right. And then I achieve it. And after I'm done, I'm like. <laughs> okay what next and then those people you're trying to prove wrong they come up to you and you're like dude i'm so proud of you dude you're awesome you're like hey what yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're you're literally left you created this enemy yeah you created this antagonist in your story and yeah you're, you're left with absolutely fucking nothing yeah so one of the hardest things that i had to do after we created um uh we did goop the film was i was left with nothing because mm. i did that because people Acting agencies wouldn't sign me because they said I was just a YouTuber. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you don't think I can act? Oh, cool. I'll make my own film. You know? <laughs> well, let's see how well I could do. Right. And they came knocking on my door. They were like, hey, all these top agencies, you know, whatever, third tier or whatever, but they're pretty top up there. Right. They're like, hey, we want to sign you. Um, casting agencies. I had a bunch of meetings. And I never even asked myself, do you want to be an actor? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was like, wait. Uh, I don't think I want to be an actor. You know, uh, I did it for the sole purpose to show people that I could do something mm. that they told me I couldn't do. And I was left lost. And I tried to be an actor for a whole year and I'm still act now, but <clears throat> my motivation was off. Yeah. So it didn't, it didn't leave me very happy at all. And so I was left with absolutely nothing, not nothing in the sense that the film did well, whatever. Right. But once you kind of check that box and you and you've kind of created this imaginary enemy and now that enemy is gone what's yeah. your motive for continuing this yeah. this specific art which is acting when your motivation was just to prove somebody wrong that doesn't exist anymore mm. you know so but with that theme um now what we were trying to say 
truth, he had to find out the truth. And there's a, there's a storytelling device that every movie has. Like I was mentioning with Wonder Woman, the lie being that Ares or she believes <clears throat> in this world of humans are inherently are good. They're just possessed to be bad. A lot of protagonists <coughs> believe in a worldview that's a lie and they learn something. And what I feel like you learn is through this is that the truth will not set you free. Mm. In fact, the truth was so horrible that Desu cut his own tongue out. Right? This movie is so bleak. <laughs> it is. It is <clears throat> depressing. It's a tragedy. Desu loses all the way. I have this film idea that I want to do that, that that's very reminiscent of Old Boy, and it has that is the exact theme of the film. Is because that 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 phrase of truth will set you free has always like kind of been a little unsettling for me because it's very relative. Yes, right. Like truth is, <clears throat> it can be weaponized or it can be very healing. Right there, it, there's no set definition for it. There are people who have lived their whole lives as a lie, but when they find the truth, it'll derail their whole life. So why would you even tell them? Uh, another film that did a really great Asian American film that was the Aqu Aquafina film. Yeah, was her <clears throat> where the main character had a grandma who's dying of cancer, and her Aquafina's character is like the truth will set you free, but the whole family disagrees with that. It's like why? Why do you think her knowing that she is going to die is going to set her free? Why do you think it's right? Right yeah. when she lives in complete bliss thinking that she's completely fine. So this idea of <clears throat> truth always being the answer for everything, it's very relative. Yeah. And uh, these are the things I, I struggle with with my life in my existential crises. Uh, crisis is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. it's definitely when you uh, like have a crisis of faith. When my whole world was based around uh, this way of living, this way of life, this religion or this and that and then all of a sudden it's a lie the reason why i live and the purposes that i had and all those youth group hype nights of the reason to live <clears throat> when that changes um yeah it's very very i can dare i say dangerous you know yeah. and and very hurtful to the brain and i believe what the truth the, the movie's saying is that the truth will not set you free accepting the truth right yeah but still as the movie goes on sometime later Desu finds the hypnotist to erase the his knowledge of mito being his daughter so that they can stay happy together to persuade her he repeats the question he heard from the man on the rooftop and the hypnotist agrees afterwards well that line on the rooftop was even though i'm no better than a beast don't i deserve to live Afterward, Mito finds Desu lying in the snow, but there, uh, but there are no signs of the hypnotist, leaving it ambiguous that Desu really met her. Mito confesses her love for him, and the two embrace. Desu breaks into a wide smile, which is then slowly replaced by a look of pain. Fade black. So I was talking about this with Ed. <clears throat> I actually didn't pick up on this until I saw it, uh, the film yesterday. Was... When I first saw the film, and so just to paint where, where this is, like the the hypnotist erases his memory, right? Mm -hmm. Is what we're what is alluding to. Yeah. He wakes up into this snowy forest in the middle of nowhere, and his daughter comes in and mm -hmm. finds him. She's still madly 
in love with him. She doesn't yeah. know the truth. Yeah. She doesn't know what's going on. She just knows that this is the love of her life and she's found it. They embrace, they hug, and and I first saw him kind of smile or whatever. And when I first saw it, for some reason, I just said, I was like, oh, he, he lost his memory. Now he can live his life. I watched that again. And I'm like, wait a second. That goes back to the thing of like smile, you know, you, when the whole world smiles, you when you laugh with them or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, wait, it didn't work. Didn't work. It didn't fucking work. Because the question this movie shows is that he wants to kill the beast, right? But he doesn't want to die. Um, we're, we're led to believe that he did wrong by leaving that man behind and he jumped off and killed himself. I believe Desu knows that if he doesn't find his piece here and doesn't, isn't listened to, he's going to go kill himself. Yeah. Right? And so he gets hypnotized and he sees his reflection in the window, right? The theme of mirrors. Yeah. Looking into the mirror and <clears throat> seeing the beast in front of you. And... The movie really questions right there. Just this, this last scene itself. He wants to forget the fact that this is his daughter. Yeah. He still wants to fuck her. How weird. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he wants to kill the beast and they're together at the end. Is that a happy ending? Is what Pak Chan-hook is asking us. Yeah. This ambiguous, like, open-ended ending. Is he not a beast? Like, he's presenting it as a happy ending for sure, but this guy is still a fucking monster, <laughs> is he not? It kind of remind. it kind of like made me feel like this, I guess, like the overarching story, too. I'm not sure if people agree with this. It's like you can't really escape your past. Yeah. You know, it's always going to be a part of you, no matter how many times you try. What you do has a ripple effect of your future, and you can't erase what's already done. Right. So, you know, that's something that he has to live with, right? Which I think that's something that we all try to ignore. When mm. we move on, like we see this a lot when a lot of kids go to college, they, when they go to a university and they're away from their hometown, they try to recreate this identity. Right. You see a lot of this theme throughout everybody's life. It's like, I want a fresh start, but do you ever really get a fresh start? There are things that happen in your past that carry on with you as an adult. Mm -hmm. You think that the stuff, the trauma that you faced when you were a kid is not going to affect you as an adult just because time has passed. It's still going to affect you. And it's, just, it's, a, it's thematically something that we always deal with as adults. And I see that a lot with um, friends of mine or even people that I meet. They think that they're so much better than their parents. <laughs> <That they're, laughs> they think that they're so much better than all the stuff that they happen. They don't want to go through therapy. And they're like, I've already dealt with it. But we see it in their behavior and their actions all the time. Yeah. How they develop their, their fucked up relationship with their father. Uh, fucks up with their relationship with their boyfriend later on because they don't have an identity of what a man is in their household oh, because yeah. their father was gone, yeah. you know? And this is like a theme that I see constantly throughout life that I think this film really hit well. It's like, how do you, you can't escape what you've already done in the past. You could only try to figure out ways to forget it, but can you really, yeah. you know? And um, even the idea of like uh, speaking the truth too, right? Uh, where this movie <laughs> goes to argue... <laughs> That, yeah, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be the biggest, like, overarching theme. All that shit talking or whatever, maybe don't say anything. Because the crazy thing, even in that case, it's not like he was lying. Yeah. It's not like he was saying something that wasn't already fucked up. Him eating out his sister yeah. is <laughs> fucked up. It kind of makes you forget the fact that what he's already doing, yeah. fucking his sister, is a fucked up thing to do. Right? Yeah. But it goes to the thing of, like, and when I think about it now, it's like, well, what he said wasn't wrong, right. but 
there's a confusion with sometimes with people where they think, well, what I said was true. What's the problem with it? It's not about what you say. It's about the effect that it has when you said it and the, how you said the consequences, it. The consequences. The cause and effect is constantly what's happening in this movie. It's always something that the audience doesn't know about. It was great filmmaking is because someone like Tezu just forgot because he's just a piece of shit. He's just a piece of shit? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so even us as an audience don't know because he doesn't know. And, and that's just the great journey that this film kind of takes you on even though it's so you choose at your own discretion to go down this fucked up rabbit hole but yeah it 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 spoke to me really really <laughs> recently too because uh people are asking me if i feel better about talking about some of these old church stories that about my hurt or my past or whatever. yeah and i was arguing too that um it's not necessarily that i'm saying the truth that makes me feel better and, and that mm -hmm. speaking the truth isn't therapy like and i i say i would argue that saying the truth is therapeutic for liars <laughs> mm. people who, who mm. are just constantly lying and maybe they need to speak truth for practice mm, i see that yeah 100 yeah. percent. like but, if you've if you've lied to yourself your whole life and you finally feel the truth it feels like this weight is off yeah, your shoulders. but yeah. if you're honest with yourself and all these things haven't you and i gotten in trouble just for keeping it real too? yeah <laughs> All the time. people's feelings it hurts yeah <laughs> the fucking mulan review hurt yeah. people's feelings i was like holy shit yeah and so this movie is enacting on what if that joe schmo you completely forgot about <laughs> becomes somebody who fucks with you dude tim always says it's the best like tim's like you know what even when i feel people that i meet who are fucking whack or you know, somewhat like fans sometimes who like disrespect me or whatever, or I don't think that they're good at what they do. I'm always going to be nice to them because watch them become somebody and try to fuck me up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is a, which is probably some good advice. Right. I, on the other hand, I'm a little opposite, <laughs> you know, but you know, it's true though. Like you, you do have a ripple effect that you have that you don't even know sometimes. Like uh, yesterday I had a conversation with uh, somebody I didn't know. And this guy, his name is Sam. I don't remember his last name, but I was on this app where you could, you know, talk to people. I forgot that I, I downloaded the yeah. app, but he was talking to me about how he used to listen to me and then he still listens to this podcast now. And he was like, yo, like you keep me in check sometimes. And, you know, you, mm. you kind of speak a lot of like, I'm like, and I look at him and I, you know, he's in politics now, you know, you know, going for his masters and stuff. And, you know, he's doing a lot of stuff, great stuff for like the Asian American community. And I look at somebody like that. I was like, I influence you. You're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, you're better. You're more articulate than I am. You mm -hmm. don't have to do it in the guise of comedy, but you're so much better than what I do. But you have like my same fire, but you package it so much better. Right. But you don't, you don't know like the ripple effects that you have with your words. You know, I'm obviously very careless sometimes with the things that I say, but I do have a purpose in what I'm doing. And sometimes I don't care, but I do understand that it can affect somebody negative or positively. It's just the people that I affect negatively, I usually hate their guts. So yeah. I'm like, take what you will, right. you know? Right. And I believe us being here, um, it's, you know, uh, it, it's not about us, us, us talking the truth and now we feel better. No, we're two friends and we're listening to, to each just, other. Yeah, that's really know? good. And we're shooting the shit. That's therapeutic for me. And our and, truth is relative. Yeah. And so for Desu, if he had a friend like Chuhan the whole time in prison, he might be a little better. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, there's a whole lot of themes that goes really deep down to the psyche with someone who is in solitary confinement and isolation and 
the <laughs> effects that it has. I think like that's why out. when we watched this film the second time, why that confinement part fucked me up a little bit was because the ten days yeah. of solitude that <laughs> I had. Yeah. I only had ten days and I lost my mind. And I was out there in the middle of fucking nowhere in a trailer home for four years. Yeah. And so when I watched that, the weirdest part is how do I relate to him that way? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and shit, I even like look like him right now. <laughs> 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 uh, but, but yeah, this movie is a classic. It's legendary. He deserves like an honorary Oscar for this. I believe it has the record for the longest ovation at Cannes Film Festival. Really? Yeah. And then um, it also won the Palme d'Or. It's one of Quentin Tarantino's most favorite films. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. Because, you know, Quentin Tarantino films are very anime-like, yeah. very comic book strip-like. Maybe he should have remade it. I, I don't know. I feel like if he did remake old boy he would do a a, a decent job mm. because his film has so much like underlying nuance to it and he also has a lot of humor in these very serious films right kill bill yeah. so many <laughs> funny fucking moments in that film so yeah american old boy was not funny <laughs> at all not it funny. was too serious it's too serious it, yeah. like that's that's the beauty of korean film too those yeah. that those crescendos of like humor and then sadness it makes the sad parts sadder it makes the funnier parts even funnier mm. that's what i like about it 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 also felt like um, the Josh Brolin character was enjoying uh, having to torture Samuel L. Jackson. And oh, was yeah, yeah. It. But like this is, his character seemed more or less, he just has to do this. Yeah. And because he said he was going there, to do there it. There was no enjoyment. That's what I'm saying. It, it just, it more represented his loss of humanity. Yeah. Because there was no emotion to it. When he's exactly. ripping out his teeth, he's not smiling. Ha ha, I got you. It was yeah. just like. Hey, I need this information, and you're going to tell me if I rip out your fucking teeth. Yes. Matter of fact. As a matter of fact, it's also in sympathy for Mr. Vengeance when the first time he has to go to an autopsy, it's for his daughter, and he's bawling his eyes out, and it's so emotional. The second time, he's, he watches an autopsy of some guy he wanted dead anyways, and he's like, oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's hilarious, but also showing character development, but also showing, like, his loss for humanity. Uh, it, it might be an American movie trope, but it's, it, it might be too on the nose to turn some, somebody into a maniac. And all of a sudden, he's just a crazy man. So that's why he's laughing when he's cutting Samuel Jackson's skin. He's skinning him. Which is just not the flavor of the Korean version, right? You know what it is? It's too, it's too one note. Yeah. It's too one note and it's too already explained. It's like, just it's how a, fucked up can this be? Then yeah, original? it's just the given, you know? So at that point, there, there's no exploration in his character for me when I was watching it. It's just like, oh, this is a matter of fact. They're just going to keep on doing more fucked up shit. Yeah. So there's no, this, there's no pull. Like, I don't feel like I'm, could he be, it, what's the reasoning for his character, right? Yeah. And we're trying to figure, they're giving us little little Easter eggs here and there for us to kind of figure out as an audience to navigate through his, his psyche as a human being. And the American one is like, he's fucked up because he was locked up. Yeah. That's so it. He's crazy. So he's going to beat up a football team of only five players and they're in full uniform playing cleats. And there's only, and there's four girls watching them and he beats them all up. It was like, where's the rest of the football team who would have fucked them up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's just these weird things like, um, does Spike Lee, play football <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> he missed the mark really bad yeah you know and that's why it's not even called a spike lee joint yeah he, apparently he just doesn't want to call it that <laughs> like, like i like i love spike lee film yeah yeah i mean his films are fucking dope i'm 
honestly influenced Gook, you know, yeah. that in Justin's vision. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. I hope you enjoy that insight. Once again, you get a little piece of our personal lives. You get a little bit of piece of this. If you haven't seen this film yet, watch it. If you haven't seen it in a while, if you listen to this, go watch it again, and it'll probably help you see things a little differently. Um, this is I've probably seen this film over like 20 times. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I saw it again, but even, every time I watch it, there's always something new. It's like the Bible or something. You know? every, every time you read it, you find something new. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you can find Ed at Ed Park VP on Instagram. And uh, Genius Brains is every Thursday and Sundays, my friend. We'll see you all next time. Thank you. Peace. Peace.